0: Welcome, welcome, everybody to Willow Park Church online. We're glad that you've joined us this morning. We invite you to join with us as we worship. We're going to sing some songs, and during our time of worship, we will also be taking communion. I'd like to start with uh, the Word from Psalm 103: Praise the Lord, O my soul; all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles the lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in love For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, and His righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul, with all my inmost being, I praise His holy name.
1: Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like now.
2: dare not trust the sweetest frame but only trust in jesus
0: Jesus for all you do and for all you have done. As we come to a time where we're going to remember your sacrifice and take communion, we just want to thank you for being present in our lives every minute of every day. Thank you for this church and for all these people gathered here in your name, wherever they are. We are together because of you. So as we Think about communion. First, we like to bring everything to God to uh, take some time to reflect inwardly. Bring to Him those anxieties, fears, the sins, the stuff that we've collected during the day, during the week, during the month, and give it to Jesus because it doesn't belong to us anymore. He took it. It's His. So take a minute and just... Go inside yourself with Jesus and hand that stuff over to him now. Do it now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking that. Thank you for taking my fear. Thank you, Lord. Communion, we we think about three things. One is the passion of Christ, the, the suffering he went through, the punishment he took on our behalf, whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross to die a most excruciating death, to be mocked and humiliated. The Lord of all, the creator of the universe there, mocked and ridiculed. And that wasn't the half of it, to take the full brunt, the full weight of the sin of mankind since the beginning of time to the end of time, and be, have it poured into Him, that crushing weight. And then, and then to have the Father's face turn away. My Lord, my Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? We remember that, what Christ went through, the price that was paid for us. And we also remember the second thing, what was achieved through that our life, our hope, our joy, our peace, our love, the ability to go straight to God, direct access to Him through what Jesus did. That was the prize. He paid the price and we get the prize, free grace. So we remember that when we take communion. And thirdly, communion, community. We acknowledge that Jesus built the church his life, his death, his resurrection, and who he is, and then his dispensation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to all of us, that joins us together as this amazing family, billions of people, today, 2,000 years later, the church, united, standing together. That's communion, and that's why we take it together. The passion, the price, the prize, and then the people of God. On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, and after he gave thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take it and eat, and whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, the cup of wine, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it, and whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me, the blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord. Your mercies are new every day. There's always new things to discover about you. When we think about what you went through to accomplish this amazing thing, it almost defies, it does defy imagination that you would give yourself your life for a sinner grace so amazing You came to lift the chains off the prisoners to bind up the wounds of the broken hearted we acknowledge that amazing
1: grace how sweet the sound that saved
0: Ten thousand
1: years Bright shining as the sun now I see.
0: Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the service and the rest of the day. God bless.
3: Hello Willow Park Church, my name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from Church Online or one of our Dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We are super excited to announce that we are planning two Ark Day Camps for our youth at the end of August. They will be happening at Maple Springs Bible Camp. For more information and to register, visit cahoots.ca. A huge welcome to all of you who are joining us this weekend at one of our Dwell gatherings. Just a reminder that you will need to pre-register before each weekend. Registration opens on Tuesday at 9 a.m. and closes on Saturday at 12 p.m. You can register on our website or using our free Church Center app. If you don't already have the app, be sure to download it today as it will also be the way we share message notes and worship song lyrics when you are at our dwell gatherings, get the app today at willowparkchurch.com app. Our next kids camp online is happening August 17th to 21st and registration is open now at willowparkchurch.com kidscamp kids camp. Spaces are filling up, so be sure to sign up soon. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service.
4: 23, um... So this last week, um, we, uh, we've had the enjoyment of Zoe getting a new car. Well, new, not new, not new, new car from Toyota. Thank you, Steve Ent. Um Very exciting, and she's moving from her 2001 Toyota Corolla that, ba- that barely <laughs> makes it up the hill. And uh, yes, if you would like to buy that, all offers will be considered just to get it off my driveway. Um, but uh, it's, been, it's been great. It's been a lovely experience just to enjoy looking at different cars. And and so we went to the Toyota dealership and we were just looking around and we were chatting and I wasn't on my phone or, or anything. I just had it in my pocket and, uh, and we were, we were just, uh, just having some nice time together. And, and then we got home. I looked on Instagram. I went on Instagram Just to see. I hadn't done any searches, hadn't touched my phone, and there was an advert for car financing. You're like, really? I have not done anything on my phone, and yet there's an advert for car financing. I know you've actually experienced this, where you just talk about something, you don't look at it on your phone, And then the next thing is you get an advert appearing. It happened a few weeks ago, and Sarah and I were just talking, and trust me, it is only talking about getting a tent trailer. We just said, hey, maybe this is something we should do in the future. Yeah, good idea. We should look at it, and blah, blah, blah. I go on my phone, advert for trailers, RVs. I mean, sorry, this is happening too many times now. They are listening all the time. The reason we know that is because if you've got a phone that says, if I say this loud enough, maybe your phone will actually activate. Hey, Siri, phones, they must be listening all the time. How do they activate otherwise? And so, and so here's, here's a message for all those people listening. Jesus loves you. Welcome to the South. Get a proper job. See if that comes out. My boys are actually doing an experiment. They jo- I don't know why they chose this word, but they s- they're saying Heineken a lot, as in Heineken beer, because they want to see whether an advert appears on their phone. So they're actually actively taking part in somewhat, some would say, a very highly scientific experiment just to see whether people are listening. We know people are listening. This is the world we live in. We, we're we living in a world where uh, of, of tech. We're living in a world of iPhones and Androids and social media. The whole world literally at your fingertips. You have more power in your pocket than we did in, like, wasn 't it like landing on the moon or something crazy like that I bet its it 's amazing the technology we have and the whole world at your fingertips, adverts that follow you around and it 's only going to get worse it 's a massive massive industry we 're constantly pulled in a million different directions that 's our new world uh, y- You remember the the game Bop it, bop it, squeeze, it. twist it, pull it. You remember that one the really annoying that's what it feels like in real life, that we're being pulled and twisted and shouted out and you can do better, and, and that is our culture. Faster, stronger, go further, more, more, more. And the result of this is anxiety and stress and, and hard work and feeling hurried all the time and tired and being uptight and frustrated, addicted to caffeine at the very best, Addicted to other things at the very worst. This is our new world. We are completely obsessed with buying things that we don't need. to impress, With money that we don't have. To impress people that are following us around on social media that we don't even like. That is our new world. Can we get that slide up, actually? Because I don't think it's set up. So we're obsessed with buying things we don't need, with money we don't have, to impress virtual friends we don't actually care about. We work more. We have more. And it's really unquestionable. We're not any more happy. You know, technology was meant to make our life easier. It's actually just made it far more busy, and and that is our new world. That's what we live in. And so the result of this is that people are getting more miserable, that mental health issues are exploding, that prescription drugs and antidepressants and everything is a massive, multi-multi-billion dollar industry now. We need these 55 words that we're going to be studying, Hebrew words, over the next few weeks more than we've ever needed it. These beautiful words that perhaps are the most Famous biblical passage in the Bible, most quoted and has also brought the most encouragement and comfort to people at the very end of their lives and also at the darkest times. These words are well worth our attention. They are beautiful because what they're doing is they're reminding us that there's a better way. They're reminding us that the world that we live in doesn't have to actually define us. That the the world that our kids and the young people who are listening to, you are growing up in, is defining you in such a way where actually it's pulling you away from, from that which is not just healthy, but is happy. That the promise of happiness, ironically, is leading you away from the actual thing that it's promising. It's leading you towards being miserable. And stressed and tired and addicted and self-medicating. And, and that's why self-harming and suicide are just exploding because the world is constantly asking more and more and more and more of us. Well, psalm 23 comes along the side of that, over above it, and says there's a better way. There's a better way. This is a very, very practical psalm. And, and, and I could easily camp out on this for the rest of the year. I'd, I'd love to do that. Like you could say, okay, the Lord, let's stop there. The Lord, we're going to look at it a little bit this morning, Yahweh. Let's, let's just think about that. Let's just, let's just stay there for the next few months, years. The Lord is. Okay, let's stop there. <laughs> the Lord is my. All right, let's stop there for a few weeks. It's so rich. And so what I'm, what I'm encouraging you guys to do over the next six weeks is as families and as individuals or as couples to learn this psalm. Because this Psalm 23 that we're going to study is an incredibly, not just beautiful set of words, it's become so familiar that I feel like it's perhaps lost some of its power. So learn it. Hold each other accountable. I said to our first service, you know, like, remember at Sunday school when you used to stand up and you used to do your memory verse? And, and your youth pastor would be there and they'd give you candy at the end. Do that in your families. Like, uh, let, let's hold each other accountable um, like Laura, you should just stand up one morning and, and recite Psalm 23. I think that'd be great. And then Lyndon can go, very well done, here's some candy. I think that's, that's just perfect for me. Can you let me know when you do that? This, this psalm is so rich, we're going to dwell in it for the next six weeks. Written by David, the shepherd king. And we know David. David is one of those characters in the Old Testament that uh, I remember uh, that, you know, the fact that he had rugged good looks. That's David. King David, the shepherd king, that at a very young age, Samuel came into his town. Samuel was the prophet. When Samuel the prophet came on, came into the town in whatever was the equivalent of a Harley Davidson at that time, because that's how I'm imagining, just kind of rumbles into town, the town would stop because this was the voice of God. When Samuel spoke, stuff happened. When Samuel said something was going to happen, it happened. And so Samuel comes into town, and he goes to Jesse. Jesse, the, this little family in a small town on the back end of the back end of Israel, and he says, I, I need to see your sons. He lines up his sons. You know the story, and he goes down each of them. Lord, is this the future king of Israel? No. Is this the future king of Israel? No. Is this one the future king of Israel? Lord, I'm getting to the end of the line here. Is this the king of Israel? No. He turns to Jesse, and says, do you have any other sons well, yeah, but you don't really want to be meeting that one. He's a shepherd. He's, the, he's on this hillside looking after sheep. Now, we, we have this North American view, just being honest. I've chatted with some people that, that, that that's a kind of an idyllic thing, you know, looking after. Trust me, having spent a long time in North Wales, around sheep, not literally around sheep, more of a distance. Sheep, like being close enough to see, these are not glamorous animals. They, they're, they, they poop a lot and they, they, they're manky and smelly, horrible things. And then the person at that time, at David's time, would literally live with the sheep. Like they would lie down next to the sheep, eat with the sheep, hang out with the sheep, probably talk with the sheep. I don't know, guide them. You know, every, the, his whole life would have been consumed by sheep. He would have smelt like a sheep, probably looked a lot like a sheep. And then, so you want to talk to David? Yes. God says, that's the one. Samuel anoints him. Again, you know the story, the oil from the head to the foot. And it says, this beautiful passage, you should read it, that the Spirit of God rushed upon David from this day forward. What a beautiful prayer to pray over your kids that the Spirit of God would rush upon them from this day forward. What an active, energetic way of looking at how the Spirit of God moves and works. And this was David. And then this big golden chariot arrives with white stallion horses and, and, and loads of people around it with fanfare saying, King David, and he jumps in and he heads off to his new glamorous crib like gold and king, because now he's a prince, right? That's how the story doesn't go like that at all. It's like, okay, what does David do? You are now prince, effectively. You're going to be king of Israel. What is the next thing that David does? He goes back and looks after the sheep. He goes back and looks after the sheep. What a great place for David to learn how to be king is by being a shepherd. He learned to be courageous. He learned how to lead He learned how to be faithful. He learned how to be conscientious and hardworking and disciplined. You see, let me me tell you, especially if you're young, but not necessarily only if you're young. If God has given you a vision or a plan or a goal or a desire that you know, you just feel like this is what I've been put on this planet to do, and it feels like that is over there, and you're on the side of a hillside surrounded by smelly sheep, and you're like, how... How is that? How how is that going to happen when I'm a million miles away from it? It may not even be a job. It just might be a promise that God has given you, and it feels like the situation is a long way away from it, on the side of a mountain, smelling like sheep. I tell you, God delights in bringing about plans in ways that you don't know about. I think about my own life and my own ministry, and I remember eighteen, nineteen, just. Knowing that God had called me to preach and be a pastor. And yet everything was pointing away from that. Everything. And I ended up becoming, uh, I took my degree in teaching and, and I was going down in that direction. Then I went into administration and took another degree towards that. And it felt like it was just steadily moving away. And so it's amazing that God will change and move and direct and never, ever look down upon those days, perhaps years, where it feels like you're a long way from the promise. Because that's where God uses us for preparation. So David had experienced highs and lows. He'd been sh- like moving through his life, been shunned by his family, envied and hated by the king Saul, enemies chasing him, hiding out in caves, fearing for his life. These children seemed to be a bit of a mess. Like These kingdoms seemed to go up and down, and it was just chaos and failure one minute, success another. While all the way through this, God maintained his faithful love for David. He was a man after God's own heart. David had experienced what it had meant to be shepherded by a God who loved him. See, our view of God and our relationship with God fluctuates often depending on what's going on around us. Things are going well, our relationship with God's going well. If things are going well at work, well, we find time to spend time with Jesus. If things are going well in my family, then God's awesome. And then the opposite could often be true. Well, things are not going so well, how could God allow this to happen? Well, I don't feel him anymore. He doesn't seem to be very close. And so our, our relationship seems to be kind of like like there's a dissidence between our relationship with God and, and and this and this kind of like we don't feel close to him when life is against us. Whereas David says, it doesn't matter where my life is at. He is my shepherd. God is enough to meet my needs. There is restoration and rest for my soul. And it's available for everybody. So this is what you're going to find when you look into Psalm 23. is this declaration of the grace and the love and the mercy and the goodness of God chasing after us in our life. And it says this, you don't need to just look to the world for your contentment and your peace because that world is fractious. It's not going to lead to anything other than, than this kind of moving away from what you were designed to do. So here's what we're going to see in Psalm 23. It's like, this is our design. This is what life without lack actually looks like. So let's read it together. Psalm 23, these 55 Hebrew words. We're not going to read it in Hebrew. You can relax because we're going to like read it together. If you want to put your masks on, you can shout it. It's up to you. Psalm 23. Um, and make it a habit through, the, through this next five, six weeks to read this every day. Learn it. It's actually really nice as you pray it through. Use it as a format, if you like, in your prayers. Um, and as a family, talk about it. So let's, uh, let's read this. The Lord is my shepherd. We can read it together if you like. I shall not want... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful psalm! Beautiful psalm. So we're gonna we're gonna like look at it bit by bit. I'm very excited about this because I've just been reading about this, so much of this over the last six weeks. There's all sorts of uh, books that I can recommend to you if you wanna if you wanna read some more stuff about it. That'd be great. So first, the Lord is my Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now you would say, let's start with the Lord. We're going to get there. Let's just focus on shepherd. Sheep. Bless them. It's one of the better looking sheep that I've seen. Sheep eye. Sheep. Um. Sheep. Sheep. Shepherds. Flocks. Lambs. Mentioned six hundred ninety-eight times in the Bible. There are literally millions of sheep, shepherds, lambs, shepherds, flocks in the Bible. It looks like. The Bible really focuses on this this animal more than perhaps any other animal. First mentioned in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, we've just seen that David is referred as the shepherd king of Israel. And uh, David just one day likely would have been sitting out on a rock, looking out at a load of sheep, going, you know what? These sheep, they remind me of people. Oh, how I wished that he'd been looking out at something else. Because sheep really, I mean, that's more like the sheep I think about not so much this. This just made me giggle. But I, I just wish that he'd chosen a different animal. So I, I looked at what different animals he could have chosen from Israel at that time. the other animals in ancient Israel. The lion. Why didn't he start there? The Lord is my lion tamer. That's way better as far as I'm concerned. That makes me feel far more empowered. He could have chosen bear. Antelope, wild ox, deer, ostrich, crocodile, and my favorite, hippo. There was hippos in Israel, in ancient Israel. I never knew that. He could have been looking at hippo and going, the Lord is my. What do you call somebody who looks after hippos? A a hippo herder. Perfect. The Lord is my. And hippos apparently kill more humans than any other animal on the planet. Is that right? Have I just made that up? I'm pretty sure I heard that. They're really dangerous, especially in Africa. They, they can kill a lot of people. So hippo, I would, I would have been better with that than sheep, because sheep, just they can't look after themselves. They can do nothing by themselves. They literally have to be led to their pasture so they can eat. They eat, then they lie down, and then they get up and they, they poop and they just move. They, they can't. Look after themselves. And David's looking at sheep going, these things remind me of someone. Oh, me. In fact, all through the Bible, you'll see this constantly being referenced that sheep remind God of people that we are sheep. That we're completely dependent on a shepherd for our sustenance, for being protected, for our guidance. What does that mean for you and me? Because I'm sure that you've never thought, hey, I I rely on a shepherd. These shepherds can come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. And what it does is if we're reliant on a shepherd for our sustenance and provision and guidance and life, the first question that parents we have to ask ourselves, and young people and our older friends we have to ask ourselves, is who is your shepherd? Because something in your life you are looking to, to lead you towards provision, sustenance, protection, guidance, hope, life itself. Something. Some thing, some one, some event, some grade, some ambition, some business, some, some activity, whatever it might be. That could be your shepherd. And then the next question is, if our first question is, what is your shepherd? The next question is, how does it compare to The shepherd, the Lord. How does it compare to the Lord? Because David is saying, regardless of what happens in my life, I can rely on God for guidance, leadership, uh, sustenance. Shepherd literally means companionship. So I can't be lonely if I have God in my life. Just let that sink in. We should not be lonely if we look to God as our shepherd. But we look at God as some detached, often distant God, whereas David goes, no, that's not been my experience. My experience is I can feel God conversationally next to me that I'm never lonely. The Lord is my shepherd. So if we're looking at other things to shepherd us, is it enough? Will it actually follow through with the promise that somehow we're convinced it will bring us? The promise of hope, health, wealth, Blessing, happiness, joy, peace, companionship, uh, fulfillment, belonging. Will it actually provide that? Will that thing provide that to you? Will that person? Now, can I just say, often we pile all that responsibility. Listen to a person. If I can marry this person, all the things that I desire will come true. Now I love my wife she's amazing i I keep saying she leaves i'm going with her i can't i can't live I can't imagine it, but it is unfair for me to say to Sarah, "You fulfill me. you are the one that brings me the things that I don't have in and of myself. You are the one that brings me guidance, protection, sustenance, life, companionship because I'm putting all that responsibility on somebody who ultimately is beautifully flawed because Sarah has her stuff, right? And so if I put all that responsibility on her shoulders, at some point, Sarah could disappoint me. I mean, it's, it's never going to happen, obviously. But it's possible. It's a lot of responsibility for a human to take to say, wow, you you know this, you complete me? Please, that is, that is a dangerous place to be. Because that person may let you down. See, David is saying, somebody else completes me. And how much better is it when a couple comes together, when they are both completed by God, the shepherd, when you bring that together, wow, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. And so, is it enough? So who is this person that David is referring to? Who is it? It's Lord. That actually should be capitalized. It's uh, because Lord, when you see it capitalized in the Old Testament, it's referring to Yahweh. Yahweh, Jehovah was Yahweh was a word that the Israelites in ancient in Israel wouldn't wouldn't even mention. It was so holy comes from where Moses was told by God to let the Egyptians know, that tell them that I am sent you. It, it's this Yahweh, Jehovah, self-sufficient, indescribable, ultimate beauty. The Alpha and the Omega, the, not just the ancient one. If your Bible says ancient, it's wrong. Get a new Bible. It's everlasting. Sometimes it says ancient of gates. It's, that, it's this everlasting, on and on, always has been, always will be God. Oh, he's my shepherd. I don't know what you're looking at for your shepherd, but have you seen my shepherd? Or you're looking at getting really good grades and a really good job and a nice house and a nice car. Have you seen my shepherd? Because that is nothing compared to what my shepherd brings me. That's what David's saying. And it's this beautiful difference between these two words. You've got this eternal, divine, intimate companion. Two really opposite. This is the incarnation here. This is God coming in the form of Jesus, the good shepherd, the divine coming into the detail of my life. So he's not just some God out there that we can never actually have a relationship with. This is the God of the universe always near his children and his flock. Close. Do you have that? It's incredibly powerful. It's his protection and his plan and his sufficiency, which is why David says, I don't need anything else. doesn't matter what life throws at me. This is my God. This is my companion. This is my hope. So anything else that David turns to is ultimately going to fail. It's the shepherd and the I am. A few months ago, I preached from the passage, John chapter 1, and the title of my sermon was, uh, the divine and the detail. I'm sure you all remember it. <coughs> um, it. It's the idea that in John chapter 1, you've got uh, John describing Jesus, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, you know, that incredibly eternal, divine, beautiful I am describing Jesus coming. And then the very next passage, the very next story, is Jesus hanging out at a wedding, turning water into wine, So that this this young couple are not embarrassed in front of their friends. So you've got the divine in the detail. You've got the Lord as a shepherd. That if we could start living with the understanding that God is intimately interested in the details of your life. Don't relegate God into only the big stuff. Well, you know, we should really pray about this. Is often connected to big stuff, which school should I go to? What's my career? There's, I got this big problem, or I, you know, I got an exam and I haven't studied. I really need God's help, or something really big. Whereas God's like, actually, I'm interested in the details. I'm interested in being the shepherd. The shepherd was interested in the details of his sheep lives. What would life look like if we approached God? As a detail-oriented God, and by the way, if you want to see how detail-oriented God is, have a look at stuff under a microscope. Sometimes, like the closer you get into things, the more beautiful it gets. Things that we wouldn't normally see on a day-to-day basis—they're they're beautiful. Like even a snowflake; these incredibly unique elements of nature that that you know the world says was an accident. That's a whole other sermon, but. He's divinely interested in the details. So he is in your life. And if we start speaking about God and to God in that respect, suddenly saying, God, can you really help me get a close parking space? Suddenly is not a flippant prayer. That's actually just a normal shepherdy thing to say. But God, I have this issue. Or how often do we pull him into our day-to-day? It's a really interesting lens to look at. Like, you can't undo a bolt when you're fixing your car. You know, it's not like a yelling, screaming out. It's actually, Lord, can you just help me get? And it feels strange to start with, but you start pulling him in, that's where he belongs. That's where a shepherd belongs in the details. So, the divine in the details, the Lord and the shepherd, but look at this next word, is. See what I mean about this passage? We can stop right there. What does it is tell me? Now, present, present reality. He is divinely interested. He's Lord in all his magnificence, and he's shepherd in all his details now. So you need to hear this. He's available day to day, accessible right now, providing, caring, leading, guiding, restoring, protecting, all these beautiful things today. And for many of us, it's important that we just camp out on that and go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The Lord is involved. I I don't even know how he is right now. And it feels like he's not. But the word says he is. And so that's that's okay. I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to believe in that. He is on his throne. And he's accessible now. How is this possible? He's my shepherd. My shepherd. There's 28 personal pronouns in this little psalm. It's all about God and you. You. He is a personal shepherd companion to you. And he needs to feel that special to you. You need to feel like he loves you more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> it's you. And that kind of makes us feel like, well, should we be selfless? Yes. And apart from in the here, this bit, he loves you. That he's not just a shepherd, he's your shepherd. We aren't just his people. That the, we are his people, sorry, and we are part of his pasture. And how is this possible? How is it that it can be so personal? Well, the next part, the I shall not want, is only possible through Jesus being your personal shepherd. See, so you can't appropriate this blessing just by working hard. You can't do it because it still will terminate on your own ability and you're not good enough. But Jesus was. And look what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 10, which you can link Psalm 23 and John chapter 10 together really beautifully. Um, In fact, some people have been able to do it where verse by verse you can attach it. We're not going there, but it, it is quite amazing. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's a shepherd's job. If the sheep are thriving, he's doing his job. And so the shepherd was completely obsessed with finding pasture so his sheep will thrive. A sheep will only thrive as far as the pasture is thriving. So life and life more abundantly is actually a picture of a sheep thriving. So he says, look, I've come that they may have life. This is you and I might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, he goes on later on in the chapter. I know my own, and my own know me. There's an intimacy to that, and it's for you. It's for you. He goes on, he says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his sheep by name and leads them out. So here's the, here's the thing that I would say, let's consider this this coming week. In your own time with the Lord, There's a couple of questions I'm encouraging to ask. And maybe talk around as a family, around dinner. Or These are really great questions. Notice that Jesus says here that the sheep hear his voice. When I read that, I thought, that's really interesting. Because we listen to different voices all the time. All the time. Our culture shouts at us. Be this. Do this think this, look this way, act this way, don't go there, listen to this music, don't listen to that music, follow this person, don't follow that person. There's constant rules, which is why it's ironic when people say Christianity is follow the rules. Our culture has a code. If you don't follow that code, this voice, then you are going to lead towards uh, disaster, it will tell you. So are you listening to the voice of culture? Are you listening to a voice of an actual person speaking to you? Is it truth? Or is it a lie? The loudest voice is that one inside. Constant. And we communicate with ourselves all the time. Is that voice truth? That voice will speak that which you are filling your life with. If you're filling your life with garbage, garbage is going to come out of your mouth, but it's also going to fill your brain. Which is why I push towards meditating on the Word of God all the time because it replaces, literally, the Word says, it will transform your thinking, renew your mind. So what are the voices? What's calling your name? Is it your business? Is it your education? Is it your goals? Is it your ambition? Is it your bank account? Is it your health? Is it your popularity? Is it your success? Voices, constant goals, pushing, pushing, pushing. You need to be more. You need to go further. You need to be faster. You need to be better. You need to, this voice. Because when I read the word, I can just feel everything slowing down. Because if I just need to listen to one voice, rest and restoration comes right there. It gets a lot easier all of a sudden. That we can Look towards him who promises like this in Isaiah 40, verse 11, that he, this is talking about Jesus, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Just as an aside, parents, whether you're watching online or in the room, can I just tell you the best ongoing parenting class? If you want to know how to bring up a baby, a toddler, preschool, um, going into elementary, the nightmare years, grade 7 to, I don't know, finishing university? No, that's not right. Grade 7 through to about 10, it's like, oh, what are you becoming? Those years, young adult, empty nesting, how'd you be a grandparent? Do you want to know the the best parenting class for that? Every day, you... Your Bible, your journal, cup of coffee, Jesus. Best parenting class. Because what's it say? He gently leads those who have young. You hear the voice of God in your own life. You get that assurance and that promise and that care into your own life. You will not only communicate it, you will be reassured that that kid, after all, is not yours. He's just lent them to you. They're his. Best parenting class. Every day. Without fail. Don't miss one. Your, your kids are relying on you to love Jesus more than you love them. Best parenting class. Because he will help you. He will help you with your young. He will guide them. It's beautiful. I love it. So as we focus on the one, we've got to ask ourselves, who is our shepherd really? Who are we looking to for hope? Because just listen, let me give you a bit of a taster as I come to an end, as to what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And I, and I, and I got this, uh, this is not my own, this is just somebody else who's kind of meditated on the, on the psalm. But as we focus on the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What this is, is a ramp into the next part of the psalm, the rest of the psalm. What are we not going to want in? In other words, what are we not going to lack in? Buckle up is what David's saying, and then the rest of the psalm happens. Complete contentment in a dissatisfied world. That regardless of the circumstances, Contentment. Regardless of the pressures, regardless of the lies, regardless of the loneliness, regardless of the accusations, regardless of the business, the bank account, anything that you can say, I can be completely content. What does Paul say? I learned to be content. So we have to make steps towards contentment. And part of that is saturating our thinking with the Word of God. This complete contentment in a dissatisfied world. I will not lack peace, for he makes me lie down in green pastures. I will not lack provision, for he leads me by still waters. I will not lack hope and encouragement, for he restores my soul. What is it we go to for restoration? What do we go to for hope and encouragement? Is it the Lord, the good shepherd? I will not lack guidance, for he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I will not lack deliverance in tough times, for even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not lack companionship, for you are with me. I will not lack protection, for your rod and staff comfort me, and you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I will not lack help and healing. Uh, For in the events of my life, for you anoint my head with oil. I will not lack an abundant life, for my cup overflows. I will not lack anything, for goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. I will not lack an eternal heavenly home, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What can compare to that that this world weakly and faintly voices into our lives? Nothing. Which is why David sat on a rock looking at sheep. I wish he wasn't. says, the Lord, the great I am, is my shepherd. I will not want. I cannot want. I don't want anything else because he is enough. So here's the homework. Learn Psalm 23. Get it into your bones. Get it into your family. Stick it on your fridge. Stick it wherever your family looks. Like when you're driving right on the wind. No, that's not a good idea. Learn it. Then ask yourself the question, set aside time to quietly reflect and contemplate and reflect on what are the voices, the false shepherds that perhaps we're giving too much time towards in our thinking? What are the things that we look to for our sustenance and protection and guidance and leadership and companionship and all those things that were promised through Psalm 23? What, are those th- what is the true shepherd of our life? And then contemplate the good shepherd. The one who that says, I want to be divinely interested in the details of your life. Because we spend hours thinking about other stuff. Let's spend some time contemplating the great I am. The infinities of God. And as you open up the Bible and you read. And you start looking at his character and personality. Remind yourself. He is for you. He is your shepherd. He is there for you. And parents, what better way to equip our kids as they go to school and university to know that they go with the great I am at their shoulder. Let's do everything we can to point them towards him, not towards other things. The other things we important. it's not like, well, don't worry about your grades because Jesus. You know, Jesus will actually go, You you should be working hard. You should be doing all things for my glory. Let's get on with it. That's the beauty of parenting class with Jesus. You're in a win-win. Continually point them to him because he is able. So practice his presence this week. Bring him into the details. Bring him into the day-to-day and learn Psalm 23. You will not regret it. And then come back next week. Register. I think it starts on Tuesday maybe. Come back, and we'll jump into the very next verse uh, together next week. So I'm going to pray for you and bless you. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's uh, on into the week with the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me pray for you. Lord, I pray by your power, by your spirit, by your anointing, That, Lord, you would fulfill your word in the lives of every person who hears these words, whether here in this room or whether listening online. That, Lord, these would not return void. That, God, this would bear much fruit in our lives. Father, I pray over the next few weeks that we would be refreshed and our souls would be restored as we're reminded of you as our good shepherd. That, Jesus, I pray for those who don't know you, that you... By your Spirit, will draw them to yourself. But Lord, that we would seek you out. There would be power and ability available, Lord, in you to them. So, Lord, we pray all these things in your name, believing, God, that you will guide us. Lord, I pray that we would think often of you this week, spend time with you, enjoying you. Lord, let that be our focus this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I uh, let you go and before we uh, we switch off online, I just want to say a huge thank you to those of you who uh, are continuing to be so generous towards the church. That it's, uh, it's been quite the journey over the last 20 weeks or so, and uh, we've been uh, continually amazed at people's commitment to the local church and and that money now is directly going towards ministry, like the technology and other ways. It's going all over the world. And so we're believing that God is, is using this weird pivot to do something new in his church. So thank you for that. And we do have uh, kind of, I think it's actually a very classy jug on the way out. Uh, if you wanted to give in check or whatever, for those of you who are here, but we still have the giving button as well, and just want to say thank you on behalf of the board and And the leadership at at Willow Park Church has just been amazing. It's very humbling. So thank you for that. God bless you. Have a great week. And, uh, and yeah, come back next week. Register, and uh, we'll see you next week. Amen.